Welcome to Some Assembly Required, a bi-weekly design podcast where we will be covering a range of topics from tech, industrial and product design, and sustainability. I'm Pablo Samoyles. And I'm George Wyeth. We're both product designers currently studying at the University of Sussex. Throughout our episodes, we'll be inviting in fellow designers, professors, and industry professionals to join us and bring their skills and knowledge to the topics we discuss. This is episode one, Minimalism. If you don't know who we are, or would like more background to the show, I recommend you check out our previous episode after this one, where we introduce ourselves, our projects and passions, and discuss our plans for the show. So, welcome to episode one, Minimalism. So, this week we're going to be discussing the topic of minimalism in design. It's a very broad topic, has kind of lots of subsets, and we'll cover some of them. Mm, Probably won't cover all of them, because it's massive. But, I think we've all seen quite a trend in minimalism in today's society to me it's not even just design but often lifestyle as everything well. to be honest um but i think one of the let, let's start off with graphic design that is i think where a lot of it started i remember looking back many years ago at uh, the movie posters designed by people like sal bass and that was back in the 50s and 60s he was designing these posters when you were a young boy i when i was a when i was a young fresh designer and yeah those posters were very minimal there's some that are quite famous. There was one that was the Vertigo poster, and it's a block red poster with a silhouette kind of falling into a spiral, and that's it. Absolutely. Solbass made use of, like, single colours mm. or, like, two or three colours and just block shapes yep. and somehow got across such depth, really. Yeah, and a lot of movie design posters nowadays do take some inspiration from some of his posters. But I, I do think it's sort of disappeared in movie posters now. It has. Because, I think movie posters now, they have like the detail of all the characters and mm. kind of it almost tells a story, which, if anything, is like the least minimal thing they could be doing. Yeah, but you, I mean, with the rise of, I suppose with the rise of these massive franchises like Marvel's and yeah. Star Wars's. The Avengers is what comes to mind. Yeah, Avengers, I mean, some of the like Infinity War poster. There's probably like 20 characters on that poster. It works, it's a really good poster, but it's definitely not minimal. Um, so I think a lot of those minimal movie posters have sort of disappeared but it's all popping up everywhere else nowadays would it be as effective like say infinity war if it was just like an infinity symbol made of the infinity stones say i think it could be it's it's probably harder to yeah, get right, absolutely I harder. and that is something we'll kind of maybe go into is the fact that minimal design seems very easy but it's not yeah that's the trick with it it looks easy because it's so simple There's you've got to get it, to it perfect yeah and many people don't mm. Uh, the other place where I think we can see minimalism really growing is um, in apps and UI design, and everything is trending towards a kind of concept called flat design. It's specifically being pushed by Apple. I think it was iOS 11 or 10 when they rewrote all of their icons and just mm. made everything flat, removed any trace of anything being 3D. And ever since then, kind of everyone's just followed suit, and everything's become simpler and simpler and simpler. I mean, you look at a web browser now versus a web browser five years ago, and they were all going for, like, the 3D effect on the tabs and everything. (laughs) And that's gone. And obviously, like, I work in app design, and with the app that we're developing, we've gone for a very flat, simple design. But also, even if you look at every hurdle we hit, every moment where we're trying to write to the Apple guidelines, the Apple design guidelines are incredibly strict on, like, everything should be spaced cleanly Mm. and minimal colors and things shouldn't contrast too much. It allows for a very unique creativity, but I think it also, I mean, you don't have to follow them. They're a guideline, not a law. Yeah. Um, But if you do choose to follow them, they make you think very differently 
about how you do something because the regular way of just doing what's in your mind doesn't work. Mm. So yeah, Apple are really kind of pushing this, not just in the UIs, but also the products as well. But yeah, the, I think it was back over the summer, I picked up an old iPod Touch I had and I just opened it to see if it was still working. And it was, but of course it was in probably like iOS 6 or something like that. So it's a really old iOS system and you just see all the apps icons and they, they look clunky. Yeah, they but, look bulky. But it is, and it is because they went for that sort of more 3D sort of, well, that entire design style came from the idea that if things looked like real life, people would adjust to them easier. And mm. it is true. Like, if you take someone who's never really used a touchscreen device and you give them a current iPhone, they would struggle compared to an iOS 6 iPhone because the realness makes it a lot more appealing to someone who doesn't understand it. But obviously now we've been in the smartphone era for, like, over a decade so as designs have become more and more built for what they are as opposed to built for attracting an audience that just didn't exist yeah nowadays we're so much more in tuned with our mobile phones if anything you're seeing the opposite you're seeing physical devices copy digital yeah speakers with like one button on them but yeah so apple have pushed this even though google as well i think they've done i mean google probably one of the quite early ones was actually their landing page for the google search bar is just a white screen with a little box and the name absolutely really it's been that's all it's been and if anything they've added to it mm. but obviously they even that their, their logo itself has cleaned over the time yeah and now for the most part it's just a g like the oogle doesn't get included <laughs> you don't need the oogle anymore you've just got the g. trademark oogle um but yeah so companies apple in particular they've become more minimal the old macs I mean, if you look at computers in general, they were used to be massive, massive boxes and everything's trying to slide down to being as sleek and as thin and as not there, invisible as you can be, really. It's funny that the focus of product design can so often be to make the product non-existent. Mm. It's like the experience it delivers is what matters, not the actual device. So, you know, if you have a laptop with a screen that covers the whole thing, the laptop disappears because it's just a screen. And that's why you don't want bezels and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, if you look at phones like that, the screens are just beginning to wrap around the phones and there's talk of bending phone screens. I believe there is a bending, a flip phone, which is a completely... There are now folding and bending phones. Yeah. They're incredibly expensive, but it's a sign that things are going to start happening. I don't know whether that's a minimalist thing or not, because it's sort of making everything into one thing. But is it minimal? So I think Motorola is the one who did it most recently, and they are very much playing to people's sense of nostalgia having those old Motorola flip phones. So I don't think minimalism matters too much to them, necessarily. No. Did you have a Motorola flip phone? I did not. Flip phone? I did not have a flip phone. I had a Nokia brick that was both a phone and a weapon. Oh, yeah. I mean, they indestructible. In many years' time, you'll find them as fossil. So, yeah, I mean, mobile phones and tech is a lot of the minimalist focus for design, but stretching out into more things. Absolutely. I mean, the design just links to a society, essentially. Yeah. And um, if you look at actually like sci-fi films now, everything that they try and design for sci-fi, when they're picturing these sort of futuristic things, it's just that everything is as minimal as possible nowadays. But it wasn't like that 50 years ago. So it's kind of, yeah, if you looked at the 50 years ago's sci-fi's films, like, I don't know, Space Odyssey, and these computers, they had massive, chunky screens. Yeah. And I mean, maybe that's because they couldn't imagine, imagine else, yeah. the thing, the, everything just shrinking to being so small. But I like that Star Wars has kept it real. They've they've kept a good balance there. 
Yeah, so, well, Star Wars has got built up its kind of junkyard aesthetic, isn't it? A bit? It, it has its own aesthetic that other sci-fi now copies. Yeah. So it's almost as if you don't need to kind of take current society and make it a sci-fi. Mm. You take Star Wars and make it your own. Yeah, I suppose so. But if you look at any sci-fi films that aren't based on that, the Hey Judas goes down this minimalist route. Absolutely. So when it comes to society, there are people these days who just straight up lead minimalist lifestyles where they essentially live in an empty house, have one spoon and one fork. Yep. Uh, an example is Matt Diavella. Is that how you say his name? Uh, Matt Diavella, yeah. Is... Diavella. He's a big filmmaker and YouTuber and podcaster. Yeah, he does a lot of discussion pieces around minimalism and other lifestyle choices. And I, I quite like his videos, I'll be honest. I'm a fan of it. It's quite interesting to see his different ways of working around these these things. But yeah, he's made it quite popular. He made a film on Netflix about minimalism. I didn't know he had a Netflix film. I didn't until quite recently. But yeah, he's got a... Interesting. It's, it's a film called Minimalism. And yeah, it's discussing all about this whole movement in, li- in the lifestyles of people sharing their stories of becoming a minimalist. Another example are The Minimalists, uh, aptly named. Yeah. They run a fairly successful podcast um, called The Minimalists. I was introduced to them by a friend, and it's their content is interesting. They run it a lot by having a community more necessarily than portraying their own lifestyles, but it's, it's very interesting to see that it's such a giant group of people who are doing this now. And mm. I find myself doing it too. Like, I've I don't go ridiculously, but I do avoid, like, hoarding belongings. For a while, I've been able to live out of, like, two suitcases if I packed everything I owned. I would kind of say that I am a bit of a minimalist. I mean, often my design style is quite minimal as well in the work I do. But the lifestyle sort of side of things is... It's really interesting because I think a lot of the digital age is really helping it as well. Because of the fact that you no longer need to have all these different devices for this and this and this. You can have a laptop and a phone. And that's all you and need. And that's all you really need for a lot of things. And this this means that people can just cut down all the products that they, they have. An empty desk with a single charging cable charges your laptop and your phone. They basically all use the same plugs now. Yeah. I mean, even you've got wireless charging coming in. It means you can get rid of the charger plugs. Yeah. There's also, is there an element of the sort of Eastern culture of sort of like Zen and all that sort of stuff and just clearing the mind? I've seen a lot of it. I don't know if it's just the algorithms playing on me being a student or whether it is there's a lot of a rise in this sort of productivity sort of lifestyle. Where it's yeah, there's a, there's a like emptying, you know, get rid of everything you don't need. Everything that's non-essential is gone. And then you kind of you wake up at 5 a.m., gym for an hour, have a shower, eat a healthy breakfast, quinoa and all those kind of things. Mm. And then you have your set list of things for the day that you get done before like 4 p.m. and go and breathe for it's a trend, basically. Yeah. Do you reckon it's because people are starting to get overwhelmed with products? Because I think that's one yeah. of the reasons the minimalism's come in. I think people definitely do get overwhelmed, but like, to what extent is it real? There is obviously a point where people do get overwhelmed. There is too much in their lives. But also, millions of people survive desk-based jobs in a crowded cubicle with lots of papers in their in-trays. mm and maybe they're not necessarily as happy but also I'd argue there's a privilege to being able to be that minimal because to have a one does it all device costs money a laptop that can act as a video grade desktop as well as a mobile thing that's light and has a decent battery you've got to stay on top of the tech Yeah. and the release prices are in the thousands but I think a lot of people nowadays especially in western culture that is the focus just wandering around campus students notoriously don't have that much money 
yet a lot of people do have swanky laptops and swanky devices because that's kind of what you need to get on the other stuff is more secondary you don't need a nice watch or an absolutely or a nice sofa i think that there's a balance that i have not found i can't say that i'm anywhere near it but i also think that a lot of people who express this idea of going full minimal aren't necessarily realistic for the majority of people and it is a very very specific lifestyle that comes from having the ability to drop off things that don't really matter oh yeah it's it's kind of a pipe dream for a lot of people i think where it's this goal to be able to just say i i'm done with these sort of commitments this and this and this i can drop these i just have this laptop and i'm living a nice simple apartment and i don't have to worry about these things i think that's one of the things is get rid of these products and suddenly there's less worries there's less things to focus on has become more of a thing because people just i don't want all this stuff anymore yeah and the digitization of everything has let people just get rid of physical things that they don't need and that actually ties very well into the idea that modern services for subscriptions the fact that you don't need to own music anymore you don't need to have that shelf of your disney movies you know you just need a subscription to a service where you can get them all Mm. obviously it's minimal it's better for the environment and it means you get what you need when you need it but at the same time it's arguably more expensive yeah costs can rack up so what is it realistically attainable for everyone it's a, it's a hard one to judge, I think. Because of how popular it is, clearly a lot of people are managing to, but is it affecting them in other ways? Maybe that's why they're not buying as many other products, because they don't have the money to, because they're spending it on, on Netflix subscriptions and Apple's latest technology. But yeah, it's it's sort of building this basis for the idea of kind of circular economy principles, in a way, of having shared and subscription things. You don't need to own things. You can just have your few possessions. And as long as you have access to these other services and other products that's all you really need at the end of the day and it's that sort of shift in society of not having to own things anymore and trusting in these services i I find it interesting that it became such a boom recently even though that kind of service has existed for years through like public libraries yet they've always been underused yeah that's true actually i don't think that is all about that i wonder if it's just because i don't want to say people are lazy but we all Oh, it, yeah, I think that we, might we be find it. the it's, path of least resistance. It's convenience and simplicity. Like if you can pay ten dollars or pounds a month to get all these movies wherever you have them, that might be worth it to people over paying zero a month to have to walk to the library and get the film. Yeah, yeah. or where you live, that might be a harder thing. If you live next to a library, maybe it's easy. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah if, so if, you, if you live in a more rural environment, it makes more sense. But I think a lot of people trying to pursue minimalism are also the same people living in the middle of cities. That's true. Where they have all these kind of amenities that they maybe even choose to ignore. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. But I think, yeah, people choose the path of leaf resistance. And as you say, if it's a subscription that you're paying £10 a month, you don't even have to look at that subscription. You don't have to think about the fact that that money's going out. It just comes out of your bank. Budget it, sure, quite a lot of people do, but it just happens. You know, once you've set it up, you've now got an account. That's it. You've got the access to this content until the, the company goes bust. Yeah, the, that's the downside with access is you don't own it. Yeah. So if the company goes bust or just decides they don't like you, that's it gone. Mm. And I think with a subscription, that's less concerning because you know you're subscribing and when you unsubscribe, it's out. But say if you're buying eBooks or buying films on iTunes, that's an implication that you own it, but you still don't. Mm. You only own it for as long as the service wants you to. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, the Which service quite disappears. a scary concept compared to, obviously, like, you know, you're subscribing to Spotify. If you unsubscribe, you lose it. 
Mm. But that's okay because you know that. But I suppose if you bought an album only for iTunes to just flip around and just know you, I using suppose, the technical term. Is though. this just the digital equivalent, though, of your DVD breaking or scratching? But it's out of your control. Like, you can look after a DVD and it'll work for you. Yeah, years. I suppose that's true. What do we think about minimalism, then? Do we think it's a good thing, bad thing, so-so? I think overall it's a good thing. I just think that people push it too far. And the minimalism that you see from the likes of Matt Diavala, not to call him out in particular, like, I do enjoy his content, but that kind of style is almost like an ultra-minimalism. Mm. And the level of necessity of, like, having what you need and living a life without extras can be achieved without taking such sacrifices. I mean, going back to Matt Diavala, a lot of his content is he's making content around this lifestyle being a thing and people following that. So there might be more, more pressure on him, but I think in general it's it's about reducing the amount of stuff you need or, or don't need, I suppose. Just reducing the stuff that you have to just the things that you need plus a few extras. I, I wouldn't want to live in a room that's just plain white walls, one sofa. Yeah, neither would I. It would be a bit depressing and claustrophobic. So anyway. currently, you think if you packed up everything you owned, how yeah. much space would it take up? This is quite an interesting one because as students because I move stuff from my home down to my student accommodation, I can sort of quantify it by it all fits in my car because that's everything I need and it all does fit in the back of my car, which is just a small Renault Clio. So everything fits in your car? Yeah. That, that's, that's a good measurement. And I think as students, we are able to measure that. So I can say for a fact, like, of my core belongings, they'll fit in the back of a car. But, you know, as of now moving into my own house this year, as opposed to being on student accommodation, I had to buy a bed. Like, I own a bed now. That, that's tied me down quite yeah. a lot. And it does scare me sometimes. Like, okay, I have a bed if I, I can't just leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah, I didn't think about that. I'm not including furniture in mine, really, other than a desk. Yeah, Small but desk. even that, you know, like, I, I, I couldn't just fly away to a new place. I have a bed and a desk. Where would I put them? Storage? Sell them? Who knows? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Do you think minimalism has limits? I think it should, because I think as people we need stuff we need kind of interaction with stuff mm. not necessarily we need our design man-made stuff all the time because go back to evolutionary times we didn't need all this but we need access to things and we need connections so if you just took away everything you had and just was left with just the basic food that you need maybe even not even food it's just a sort of nutritional powder is that really a life no i, I yeah. wouldn't say so so i think there's an element of we can cut out the rubbish but we don't necessarily want to cut away everything because it's just boring. And I think there's already evidence that that's true in the fact that, you know, with this golden age of computing that we live in, where you could eliminate pen and paper from your entire existence if you wanted to. You could draw everything on an iPad, or you could just type everything. Mm. You could audio record things. Like, there's so many options. The fact that people still like a physical notebook. Yeah, I like a physical notebook. Me too. Like, it's, I, it says a lot that, I mean, I do have an iPad and an Apple Pencil. There's no reason for me to have one, but I keep a notebook with me too. Mm. And I think the fact that on that fundamental level, we still stay there, I don't think there's any level of advancement. Like, no matter how good voice recognition and AI gets, people are still going to want to have a mouse and a keyboard. Yeah, it's something about the tactility of being able to actually hold Tactility will things. hold us down. So yeah, I think there's, there is a limit. There is a limit to minimalism. Where it's going to stop, I don't know, because it's still going at the moment. I think there's still trends and things changing. 
I think where it is now is a position where it has further to go, mm. but it's it's nearing its upper bounds. Yeah, uh, we're seeing it take over everything in design. I think that will flatline at some point. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, families, co-workers, and pets. Unlike videos and blogs, podcasts have no algorithm for recommendations, and we rely entirely on what you guys, our listeners, say and share. Yeah, so if you've enjoyed it, tell everyone. Follow us on Instagram at assemble.it for a deeper look into the show and our own work, including behind the scenes, outtakes, projects, and updates on the podcast. Once more, remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it among your friends, family, co-workers, pets, and we'll see you in the next two weeks with our next episode, Tesla and the Rise of Electric Vehicles.